Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, you're very welcome to this week's podcast, an interview with Rai Mooney. My name is Maurice O'Keefe, and in 2005, while researching and recording oral history in the Midlands, and looking for families that were well-rooted in the area, I came across the Mooney family from the Dune, Ballinahown in County Offaly. And on a cold January evening, I sat in front of an open fire with Rye Mooney, who first started by telling me about the family background. We've they, been here for, for a thousand years or more in this area. You might have noticed the old castle across the way. Well, we were in that until about 1808. The castle across the way is Esker Castle, is the right, not Dune Castle. Now, this is Dune, here, the Dune, this, this house is called, and it's in the townland of Dune, but across the road is Esker, and that's Esker Castle there, and that was the stronghold of the Moonies for, oh, I don't know, right back into the time, long, long time, because we are mentioned in in Burke's and a lot of, of older writings of uh, our occupancy of this area. And I don't know where they came from originally. I imagine it all pushed... Well, the, the, the lineage goes back, we are told, to Cahamor, who was monarch of Ireland, or Linster, I think, in 120 AD. Now, the... Omonias, and it developed, the name changed several times, you know, the, with, from Irish into English into Irish into English. Uh, <coughs> it eventually came down to Mooney, and then it became Enrit Mooney about uh, 150 years ago. My great-great-grandfather uh, was James Enrat from outside Faban, which is just south of here, and he married uh, Matilda Mooney, who lived in Esker Castle, that castle that you see opposite the gate. And they, they were married, and they eventually, I think it was they or their son, now they built up this place. Anyway, someone got a few pounds together anyway, did a bit. <laughs> yes. before, before that, I think it was pretty frugal, the whole enterprise was. And you're... Known here as the the the, the Moonies of Moonies, Moonies of, of the Dune of the Dune. Yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> it. Just rhymes. How far back does this go? Is well, it? now the 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 
that room out there, the drawing room, and the front hall you came in, and the big dining room, and the study opposite that, they were added by my great-great-grandfather. And he built a fine big Georgian house out of it. It was a higgly-piggly mix-up of all sorts, going back hell of a length. Under here now, the old house was under this, I think. There was already attached house up here, over this part. And uh, it's very, very old. Oh, maybe 600 to 1,000 years. People have been living on this spot. You know. There must be so many stories oh, associated with your family. Ah, uh, yes, there are. They, they, we sort of live with them. We don't. Uh, they're not written down. I don't think there's never been a real student of that sort of thing in the family that would write them down. You know, and mm. make tabulate them some way. There has been nothing like that. And one of those great stories associated with the Moonies of the Dune was the story of the local saint, Saint Munchen. And here Rye recalls the relics of St. Munchen. Oh yes, the Shrine of St. Munchen. Tell well, me about that. <coughs> the Shrine of St. Munchen is reputed, and I had no doubt that it contained at one time the bones of uh, a local saint in the town land of Lee Monaghan, which is about four miles from here, three or four miles there's Lee Monaghan and there's a church there, Boha Church, but there was a, at the time that we're going to discuss, it was the church was much nearer, it was in Kuldera, about a mile from here now, from the house. And that old fellow died in the 6th century, I think. And in the 11th century they thought well of honouring him, so they got his bones, they dug them up, and they put them into a shrine. Very nice wooden, beautifully uh, or designed and, and executed uh, shrine. And it is, you can see it to this day, it's in Boha Church, which is about three miles from here, between here and, and Tullamore. And uh, he was uh, the local big man, this Monaghan was, well it's afterwards he took the name on Monaghan. After his death he was referred to as Saint Monaghan. They have a, a day now here, and a pattern day in, in Clonmac Noyce, you know, when they venerate his... his, his uh, of course Clonmac Noyce is only just up oh, the road. Oh, that's only six miles up the road. Yeah, yeah. So there's quite a... So a lot, a lot of pilgrims coming here for a long time. Oh yes, a great number. And still do. My an aunt of mine remembered it, a great aunt was, when she was a child. It was up in the library there for a while because uh, the church it was in was a thatched church, a, a Catholic church up the way, about two miles from here, and it went on fire one day, as quite easy could, thatched building, and <coughs> the, only <coughs> the only thing that was saved out of it was the shrine. Someone snatched it out in time. And it was brought. The, the parish priest came to see my father the next morning. And no, if he could mind it, he said, there's no safe in the, in the parish now. It was a very troubled time as well as that. It wouldn't be touched when it was in the church, but the church was gone, it was burned. With attached roof, it's very easy to happen. So uh, my great-grandfather said, of course you can. 
So it was brought here and it was placed up in the library and was there for many, many years, I think. I don't know, no one can tell us how long it is there. Someone decided that it was uh, badly in need of restoration, the, the, the shrine was. So it was decided to send it to London, where they could, Kensington, where they had experts there that were well able to deal with it. And uh, so it was done. But before it was, that could happen, the shrine had to be opened and emptied of the bones. And uh, I believe it was opened, I suppose, up at Bohar Church. I don't know where, but there was only one femur bone was the only one in it. There had been at other times, I suppose, it had been opened and people with steel relics, you know, to have in the house, you see. It was, I mean, you're safe for generations. He had a yoke like that up. The, that was a very special the rafters, uh, yes. yes, a bone, piece of bone to have. Oh, bone yes, to have. Right, yeah. right. He was known as the lame saint. And sure enough, the time that was opened when it was going to London, it had to be opened and the bones taken out, you see. And there were a lot of people looking at it. And one of them was a surgeon. And he said, whoever that fellow was, I don't know anything about him, but he must have had a head of a limb, because he, one of the femur bones... I think showed terrible distortion, you know, that you would be going off that way, hopping. And another great story that was handed down to Rye Mooney was the story of Robert Emmett. My father, who was here at that time, he didn't personally see him, but because he he was on the run, Robert Emmett was on the (coughs) the run at this time, away from authority, and he was in a very bad shape. He hadn't eaten for a long time. And he came to the back door. Now, he didn't go to the front door. He came to the back door and knocked, and some of the servants answered it. And they found this man. Very, he, he wanted to know, could he have a, anything to eat? That he hadn't eaten for days or something like that. He was, by looking at him, they knew what to try. So they said they'd see the master. So they came up and saw my father or grandfather. Now, I don't know who, who it was. He said, oh, bring him in and give him something to eat and see that he's warm. So they brought him into what was the servants' hall. It was beside the kitchen, and it was a room where the servants, there were quite a few, could, could rest, you know. So they brought him in there, and they, they gave him a meal. And they noticed, well, they, they were asked afterwards what he was like, you see, and they noticed that he had very good manners, in other words, he ate. He didn't shovel it at all. <laughs> he, he ate like a gentleman was meant to. And uh, anyway, he thanked them and sent special thanks to the master for having used his house. And he departed. And it was only a day or two later that they heard that Robert Emmett had been in the area, you know, that he was really down and out and was... The, the authorities were after him, of course, which they, re- they eventually got him and hanged him, didn't they? There were many artefacts in the Mooney house, but one outstanding one was an old hurley dating back to the early part of the 19th century. That hurley belonged to my great-great-grandfather, and he was captain, it's written on it there, he was captain of the Dune hurling team in 1826, and he was Francis. Edward Mooney. 1826. Yes, it must be the one of the first Hurleys in Ireland. 
Can you des- describe it to me? It, it, well, it's magnificent. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't think it's ash timber that's in it. It doesn't look like it. It may have mellowed with age, but... Uh, it could be beach, couldn't it? It might be beach, indeed. Yes. It'd be a bit brittle for beach, though. Mm. But uh, it's, uh, it's got leather on the striking face, on one striking face, and it's plain on the other side, but it's got... A bit, I think it's to maintain the shape of it and prevent it breaking. A strap of metal at the back under the curve. But it could be, in a row, it could be a fierce weapon, though. I can imagine. Yes, because yes. there's a bit of weight in it, you know, what that metal is putting a bit of weight in, in, in the bottom of it. And the hurling matches that took place here uh, between the... the uh, yes, well, then it died out, you know, completely hurling did. And it came back again. A hundred years afterwards, I think. It was fascinating to hear Rye Mooney recall his memories of the War of Independence and the Civil War. You must have remembered the the Black and Tans. And, oh, and, 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 uh, yes. yes, I do. I remember them very well. I remember them. Uh, some the, the, the boys, the boyos, uh, cut a tree at our front gate across the, across the road. And the black and tan lorries, well, they weren't so much black and tan, they were just British military. They weren't dressed in, uh, up in Dublin now and in Cork, they were with black and tan uniform, you know. It was with, with black boots and maybe brown leggings, mixture. The, the brown and the black. The derogatory yes, right. term, black and tan was. Yes. Very much. And uh, here, they, they, they were every day of the week, a patrol went from Athlone to Burr, which it would be about. Uh, 30 miles, and it'd go back again if it could. And they, they used to have pot shots at it. And I remember this night we were woken to ferocious banging and crashing at the door. And I remember I was very small, my father going down and terrible shouting. And these were the British military. And they were the worst for drink, too, at that time, this very long time. <laughs> digging themselves out of a cut in the road where it was cut down between here and Balnahown. The bog, boggy, and we very narrow. The road was that, and yet a gang of men would cut a, cut the road in about twenty minutes. You know, there was bog after about that much stone. And they, they, anyway, they they while they were digging themselves out, the same crowd they cut a tree at our gate, a big beech tree, whack across the road, and they came in and they ploughed. They came on up the road and they ploughed into that, and they started to loose off machine guns. I can still hear the shots, and they hit the house here, and you could hear these bullets whining across the place. And my serious? father, yes, we were in the back room, yes. the room over this now. My father went in, and he knelt down at the front window, and he could hear. He was, came in and told us what was going on. Terrible lot of shouting, but it seems one lorry came along, and bumped into this tree, and the stupid nitwits, they got out and spread all over the place. In the dark, what they expected to do, why they didn't turn around and go back, but I suppose they were a bit headstrong and stubborn. And another truck that had been in Balnahown pulling them out of a drain heard them near Athlone, turned around and came back, and by the time they got back, the others were all over the lawn and they began to open up with machine guns and shot some of their own men. So they told us, anyway. They shot two and wounded two. And we had it on the best of authority the next day that there wasn't an IRA man near the place at all, except the men who cut the tree. 
they saw them digging themselves out of the trench and they dug, cut a tree. It was a completely different sort of war. A few of them might have been in the, the trenches in, in, in France, you know. Uh, some of the elder, the officers, but the remainder were mostly youngish fellows that mm. fairly joined the British Army just for a job and been fired over here into Ireland. Did this scare you at all when you were... Not at that stage, at no. that, When you were very young, of no, course, it didn't. It, it must have scared you. my mother, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I remember later on in the Civil War, then we used to have both parties raiding us here and coming in for meals, you know. They were billeted, more semi-billeted on us. And uh, we'd have to feed them, and when they'd go, the other crowd would come in. <laughs> Jamie <laughs> God and uh, I remember one night a crowd came and they said we'd have to put them up so we had to get out of our beds and uh, it was pretty tough and it was around 12 or 1 o'clock and they were preparing to get into our beds all over the house children's beds some of the children were at school I think I was the youngest and I think someone of the locals knew what was going on and decided it tough on us so they sent up a messenger with breathless condition to arrive up here and said the black and tans coming from every yard from there was yeah. lorries arriving and like that the house cleared <laughs> so we got to sleep and got to bed yeah. that was about the only bit of excitement now that, that really happened there they, they were always they, they never passed up and down here but they fired shots you know anywhere there was cover <coughs> They, they, they fired into going by down the home court now which is beyond this and a lot of trees there they you'd hear them coming every morning you wouldn't pass in and out hear the tut 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 at the one just in case anyone was hiding behind the trees yes, getting ready to fire at them they let oh, yes. go a few yes, and yes. long here they fired shots at everything my goodness, and the so in fact you were brought up in that type of atmosphere with. with yes, was yeah. well. I was. I, I was born in nineteen fourteen, and that I was about six to eight around that yeah. time. And then, of course, the civil war after that. Then there were there were that wasn't anyway nice either. Do you remember any of the names of of any of them? Yes, I do. I remember a couple. One was Siri now, and he went by the name of Governor Siri. Ah, he went to America. They all went to America. The the pub in Van Mahan, uh, the little village down there between here and Athlone. That uh, was Flynn's. And one of the sons, John Joe Flynn, he got mixed up in that. And he had to fly to America too. Especially when the treaty came, you see. Most of them went anti-treaty. And of course when the, that decided itself with the Civil War here, they packed up and went to America. Most of those hobos did. Uh, there were no bloody laws, anyway. Were your people always nationalistic people? No, they weren't. Not always. No, they weren't. I'd say they were. Well, then, with the change... My father was a unionist, I think. But he came... He came round to, to looking at it in a positive way. Well, many years after the treaty, you know. And he said it was the best thing. Because he, he thought the English were just a lot of Egypts, as he called them. They didn't know what they were doing most of the time. They hadn't a, a clue how to run a country like this. And they did everything wrong, you know. Made terrible mistakes. Just Egypts, as he called them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I, it's just what strikes me about being here is that it's it's like a step back in time. It, 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 it's, <laughs> you can gear yourself to that. Lots of memories in this room uh, with the photographs and Oh, everything. yes, indeed. The paintings now have all been done by members of the family. Any, anything on, the, on those. I had an aunt who I, d- I never saw. She died when she was tw- 21 and she was crippled. You know, from birth she was crippled. She, wasn't there. she was about three foot high. But she did these wonderful watercolours. On your land here, there is a magnificent uh, ring fort. There is, yes. There's one the on the avenue here. Yes. yes. Well, the, the, there's a, on the estate now, there was three or four, but of course it's broken up now. Uh, some of it was divided into one of the sons got it, and uh, myself and Owen, the eldest, got this half of it. And uh, there was a, a good ring fort in that, but I think there, there were. I think there's 11 in the in the area, you know, in a couple of town lands. Is it a two-ring or, or is it of single ring? Single ring. Yes, I never have seen the double ring. <laughs> I think they are more important ones. And it may be at other parts of the country they were built. Mm. I have never seen them in this area. Mm. And it takes up a lot of, of, of the land. It, would yes, it, be, it does. Take up well, the, the, the one the here, and in the listener brick it's called, is... Uh, is in a corner, so it's, it doesn't take that much. And there were others too. There's, then there's one on top of a hill here, a very prominent hill, and it's covered with beech trees. And you see this, it's got a triple ring round it, really. And in the middle of that, it may not coincide in time with it, there's a, a, a wonderful sojourn. Underground passageway. Yes. Were you ever down there? Oh, yes. You, no bother going in at all. And there's one you can walk into. The other one you have to crawl through a, a creepway and you come into a place about 20 foot long. Very, very substantially built. Not deep at all, you know, about three foot under the ground. And it goes by the name of the Cave Hill, of course. And uh, it's, there it is still the scene. Is I, there any name associated with it? Is, was there any, any story about uh, a family no, living within the dune? Never. Well, about that, that place... No, I never heard of any any connection. I think that goes back to thousands of years, I'd say, the, 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 the cave dwelling would. Since men lived underground, you know, like rabbits. Well, although we're told that uh, historians tell us that uh, they were used mostly to, to store stuff. You know, a tribe would be settled on that hill in this area, and they'd store stuff there and then in time of fighting they'd put the women and children down there and have a very small entrance which they could cover up if they had to to uh, evacuate the premises in the hope that someone would uh, succeed in mm. And of course, these uh, these ring forts. Sometimes people say that the uh, underground passageways were connected to other ah, ring yes. forts. Well, there's all sorts yes. of rumours here. The, the, the nuts about the, the it's about a quarter mile in that direction, and the, the castle is a quarter mile in that direction. So it's at least half a mile that there's a a cause a, a passage between them. A lot of rubbish, you know. They're different periods altogether. The cave predates the, the castle by a thousand years. And Rye goes on to point out the ancient Pilgrim's Walk leading all the way to Clonmacnoise and the old road system 
the eskers and the pathway that went through his land. I mean, the castle is uh, is Esker Castle, that one down there, the uh, beyond the road, the gate at the road, and it's on on a ridge coming right across, you know, a spur of a ridge, and then there's a gap uh, at the front gate there. This gap, and that's where the river goes, you see. The river will follow the low-lying land all the time. And then it, it takes up again. and It goes more or less in a, in a, a broken, in places, through bog. It, it, it can't, it, it wouldn't be, occur in the bog at all, but it goes right up to Comic Noise, you know. So that would be a very ancient pathway then? Oh, yes, the, 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 the Pilgrim Way, as they call it, the Pilgrim Road. Mm-hmm. To come McNoise goes on on the on the on the on the, on, on the, the top of the Eskers. When I came in the gate today, uh, below at at the yes, road, and came, I, I was actually on that roadway, on the Pilgrim Way, all, all the way up here to your house. Yes, and then it continued on past yes, your it house goes that way, and it, it uh, down through the fields and up, keep on the high ground all the time. Yeah. Went through the the cave hill and the long wood of Doom, and then it met bog. And it had to cross that to a place called Clonaderig, where there's low-lying land, sandy hills. And you, the turf cutters now, when they're down about five or six feet, you can see the, all the sticks where they were put, you know, in those days, when they built a road, when Tomic Noyce was really uh, an important place, mm-hmm. as it was in those days. And... Uh, when you think of traffic that must have been coming yeah. back and forth uh, in, 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 oh, in time. Yes. Oh. But history has remained here that it surrounds you. Oh, it uh, Many overlapping uh, historical events took place oh, right absolutely, here. yes. And, and, and periods in time, you mm. know, overlapping mm. here with extraordinary things happened. Any of your ancestors ever come back uh, to uh, to haunt? To haunt well, to I, no, I never saw him, but my wife is absolutely quite so. She's not here today. She's gone to Galway. She has to go to an eye specialist there, uh, and she would regale you with a, uh, a story which took place. Now it's a day we can all remember quite easy. It's the day the man walked on the moon. Remember that day in the sixties? Back in the nineteen sixties, yes, yes, that, that yes. time. Oh, she was up, uh, she was in bed. She had been sick, but she was quite well and was lying in bed in the room we now occupy. We've uh, lived, in the, I'm in the room I was born in 80 years, 90 years ago. Well, I'm still in that room. And it's a nice room in the corner. It looks out, nice aspect. But she was lying in bed and the door was open. It was a summer day. And uh, suddenly she was aware that there was someone at the door and she looked round, and the man was dressed in a 17th century dress on him, with a periwig and lace here, and a green, uh, green, so like a livery coat, you know. Now, we have uh, the ghost of my great-great-grandfather, who we all call Bottle Green, because we have one of his coats, and it's a bottle green colour. And I think the museum have it on loan or something at the moment. They got interested in the project. And uh, she suddenly became aware of this man. <laughs> Looking round, we were all off at something. I forget what it was. And 
he smiled and she said, Oh, bottle green! And he turned and went. And of course, he wouldn't know what bottle green meant. It's only a name we put on when he was a hundred years dead because we had this frock coat of his. We still have it somewhere. And uh, she was terribly excited when we got back. She wasn't scared a bit. I would have been scared, I'm sure. Was this during the daytime or in the evening? Day, the, daytime, the, the afternoon, yes. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't yeah. a ghostly hour of mm-hmm. three or four o'clock or anything like that. It was oh, mid-afternoon on, on a summer's day. We'd all gone to something that was on that we left her at home. I mean, she wasn't well enough to come. She would have otherwise. But uh, that was the only thing that we can know that was seen or heard now. And finally, coming to the end of the interview, Rai Mooney brought me into the hallway of the old house and then pointed out some of the items that came up from the castle in the 17th century. And Rai, here in the hallway, you have a, a very unusual item. It's, yeah, it's, it's the only thing we know came out of the castle. And it's, it's dated 1723. Yes, it's very heavy. What, what exactly? Is it a desk? No, it's a writing, a writing yes, thing. A desk transfer. You put the ink in that little place there, and the pen was meant to be there, a quill, and that you put dry, very dried, fine sand. No blotting paper in those days. So they, they dried off the writing. That's very heavy. Writing. What's it made? Oh, it's made polished limestone. Polished limestone, yes. Yeah. Now, this must be one of That's the... That's a rush light. Well, they're very... Oldest, common. oldest... Yeah, but one of the oldest rush lights have, I have come Is across. It? Yes, indeed. Look at this. Yeah. With, with a, a bog oak um, yeah, a base to it. Yeah. Out at an angle this way. Mm. There is... Uh, one of the cannonball items. from the battlefield of Ockram. Is that a cannonball yeah. from the, the battle... And Ockram, of course, is not that far away from here. Right or or no, my... Well, an uncle or... He was a great uncle or something. He uh, he was wounded there, and he died as a result of wounds. Uh, fought on the, the Jacobite side, I mm. think. And of course, they're all sitting on this wonderful, wonderful well, chest. That chest is very, very, very old, I believe. We've been told mm. never to clean it; we destroy it. You know, you have uh, hanging over the door here uh, all these walking yes, canes uh, and sticks and that's, uh, going right way back. From Australia, someone brought it back, and uh, that's a turf fork you see there. Oh, is that what it's, it is? Yes. yes. For when you were cutting turf, turf, you know, it's thrown out on the bank like that. It's quite and small, isn't you, it? You, you had a handle on that. Oh, yes. Any longer, you'd go through the thing and break it. You prodded the, put it onto the turf barrel or into the little cart, and it was wheeled out then and dumped on on the bank where the spread. Uh, the walking stick there was one of my grandfather's uh, crutches. He uh, he was in the RIC. He was a, oh I don't know district inspector or something at the RIC. Mm. And I see the family crest, of course. Uh, the, your uh, yes, well that's beside. that's uh, that's not ours. It's my. Uh, on the maternal side, that's the I was telling you about these French cousins, Midge, M-E-T-G, they, they came from France originally. That's their crest. We've come to the end of this week's podcast, an interview with Rai Mooney. I recorded Rai in 2005, and since then, Rai passed away. I hope you enjoyed listening, 
and there are other interviews that I made with Rye over the years and they're available on our website. That's www.irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.